Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, episode number 59. Getting close to 60 now. We're 59 and feeling fine. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if we combine our ages, we're a little over 59. Yeah, we are. Look at that. Well, we're back. So you got Joe here, and you've got... Nick. LC is out on maternity leave, officially. <laughs> <laughs> officially maternity leave. Official. So uh, by the time of this episode release, we will have a one-week-old at home. Yeah, baby Davis is yeah. here. So he's still just a little too young for craft beer, you know. Um, <laughs> maybe in a couple months. <laughs> yeah, just start slipping a little bit into his bottle. Yeah, there you go. We didn't say what kind of bottle. <laughs> so yours was the bottle feed him. Just no cans. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I was listening to the radio this morning and uh, one of the hosts has a newborn and <laughs> he, he was talking about this story. He, he was supposed to grab some Vaseline mm. for uh, his son, I think, to like rub on his circumcision area. site. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, circumcision area. That's a good way to put it. Uh, accidentally grabbed Vicks Vapor. Oh no. <laughs> so they had to go to the hospital. Uh, everything is okay, but he was like, yeah, my wife will not let me live that one no, down. Oh gosh, yeah, that's torturous. Uh, An open wound like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so the diaper doesn't to be stick f- to the healing. Yeah. And then you rip it off. <laughs> ah! He was trying to justify. He's like, you know, the, the caps are very similar colors. I was just like grabbing one out of the drawer really yeah. fast. It was like I was in a hurry. Except one has an extreme menthol <laughs> smell to it. <laughs> yeah, it's like as soon as you open it, it's like the menthol yeah. overtakes you. So Yeah. Yeah, so we got Nick here. We're recording in between uh, feedings and sleeping cycles. So that's pretty, <laughs> pretty fun. It's like eat, sleep, poop, eat, eat, sleep, eat. A lot of eating going on, you know, yeah. so. Uh, Can't blame them. Yeah. So we're here, and we've got a beer to crack. We've got a beer from Hopfly, which I think we, you know, had the, a beer from them last week with their Endless Rain oh, yeah. uh, IPA. Today is a, is a different one. We've got Side Eye. Uh, that is a hazy IPA. What's the ABV on there? Five and a half percent. Oh, not Ooh, too bad. It's got some lemon drop and strata hops. Ooh. Double dry hops, so probably going to be really fragrant. Let's crack this. Fragrant. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I got some nice can art on there. Kind of a interesting looking fellow giving some good side eye. And I had, had you heard like the, the TikTok sound or, you know, real video sound that was like bombastic side eye? I had never heard of that before until Lauren was like, oh, you never heard that? It's like weird. Bombastic side eye. It's like something that's like, it'll show something. I'm like, bombastic side eye. <laughs> oh, no. I think I've only heard another TikTok sound where it's just some lady that shouts side eye. <laughs> and it's side probably eye. the same kind of trend. <sighs> it smells pretty good right off the bat. Yeah. The, uh, can art is interesting it definitely has some kind of cartoonish head with some side eye it almost looks like one of those is it a flounder that has the eyes uh, on the eyes same on the side s- yeah <laughs> it kind of does look yeah. like that it's like a very flat-eyed man his eye is also lower than his nose oh, pretty intriguing yeah so this is uh kind of got a little bit of a citrusy vibe to it oh yeah uh-huh. lemon drop hop strata some dry hopping going on so it's gonna be yeah not too bitter uh nicely aromatic pretty tasty beer mouthfeel is about medium bodied 
uh, quite enjoyable. Yeah, and looking at this, it, it has almost like a uh, pineapple juice or a... Uh, kind of looks like lemonade, like fresh squeezed lemonade. Yeah, but a little bit more straw, pale. pale, but it's got like a bit more darkness than lemon juice, but definitely that haziness to it. Oh yeah, for sure. Pretty easy drinking beer, very approachable. And you said what five and a half percent, so not too yeah. Ooh, brutal either. That's nice. Yeah, it's a good uh, a good drinker. I'll say I have had this before because I bought a four pack from them, uh, and this is the last one. <laughs> so we've had a few of them. Good uh, poolside beer, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely better than a <laughs> half a case of Miller Lite. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty good. I, I definitely like citrusy pale mm-hmm. ales or IPAs if I'm going to have IPAs in the summer. I feel like I can tolerate West Coast or bitter IPAs more when it's not 90 degrees and humid out. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. It's like I don't want a really bitter drink when it's hot. I think something that's more juicy, tart, citrusy, um, even this kind of like floral fragrance is nice. It kind of lightens it up a little bit versus yeah. just like a resinous hot bomb beer. So Oh, yeah, and it's not too heavy to be like, you know, sickening. Not like a triple triple IPA, you know, hazy, Ugh. super overwhelmingly, you know. It's not too dank or anything like that, so it's, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, just a, you know, approachable beer. It's a good one to get a four-pack of, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Good choice. And with Hopfly, their their IPAs and pale ales are typically spot on. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. really go wrong there. Yeah, so besides the baby news, which is probably the most important news mm-hmm. I can think of right now, <laughs> um, you know, what's uh, what else is going on in the craft beer world as far as news? There's been some some more shakeup in beer. Uh, Brewery's closing. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there's been a particularly local one to us, Double Barley Brewing in Smithfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're uh, closing at the end of July, which was a big shock to me. Yeah, that uh, was their, you know, their beers commonly distributed by us. I mean, it's like 45 minutes away or so. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's that far, maybe an hour, but uh, yeah, I mean, surprised to see that one go. Because they're, they're a brand that makes it into. Grocery stores like Harris Teeter, you see their steak cake stout. Uh, I think it's Thrilla in Vanilla is another one they've had. They have a couple hoppy beers that they put out, but definitely known for having some popular stouts in the grocery stores. And, you know, just typically if you see a brewery get to that level where they're in a regional grocery store chain, they're doing pretty well. You wouldn't assume that there's anything uh, that's leading them to have to shut down. Yeah. So I don't think the uh, the announcement came with a lot of information. Um, they did announce that they were you know, making the tough decision to close down and uh, they were going to stay open. They kind of have a Thursday through Sunday, I believe, is their uh, taproom schedule. So it's limited taproom schedule anyway. And uh, they definitely wanted the patrons to have an opportunity to come by and have a few beers before they close up at the end of July. Yeah, it's uh have you been you've been to that brewery, right? Yeah, and it's a pretty neat little tap room. Uh, and it's nice because you get a few more offerings than you're going to find like like mentioned at the grocery store. Even like a bottle shop might have some of their their beers, but their tap room they like most tap rooms have 
a uh, more diverse offering or a tap list. So I got to try a few, I would say, you know, relatively exclusive double barley beers and uh, good staff, really friendly staff. They're uh, kind of off in the middle of nowhere, though. If you've ever been through Smithfield or have driven by it, it it's actually you kind of pass it sometimes depending on if you're I think if we're going to Charlotte, sometimes we might go the route that passes where Double Barley is located, but it's just off the side of the highway. And, you know, you have to wonder if maybe it had something to do with not being able to meet market demand or maybe it was a choice because they kind of are just ready to wrap up shop. I don't know if the owners yeah. are at an age where maybe they're ready just to kind of close things down or could be financial troubles. But it's definitely something we're seeing with breweries these days, not even just locally, but mm-hmm. nationwide. They're making these tough decisions to either oh yeah, reduce their output or close entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing I feel like we've seen a lot of lately is you know breweries shuttering their doors either completely or closing down you know maybe some extension campuses that they had, uh, some extension sites. You know we've seen a lot of movement in that lately. Uh, you know, we we're just talking about Hopfly, but they actually moved into the spot of a previous brewery, right, in Charlotte mm-hmm. when they expanded. So mm-hmm. just kind of shows the tumultuous nature of, of brewing. And shortly after this double barley news came, you know, I scroll on Instagram and came across a, you know, a post from Eurisco Brewing in uh, Asheville that's over on the South Slope, I believe, in that area. Uh, they're, they're talking that they're not going to continue operating long term. Uh, and they're working to see if somebody can come and take over the space that they've got. Uh, I think theirs is more due to, you know, some financial uh, issues and, and challenges that they've had, you know, and I can imagine why the South Slope area of Asheville is just filled with breweries. Yeah. Um, Eurisco, though, has been, has been a good one. Uh, I don't know if I've actually ever visited the tap room. We've had a few. Yeah. We may have even had one on the pod. Yeah, their uh, Penny Cup Porter is a it's mm. a coffee porter that had local roasted coffee. I, the last time I was there, actually, uh, Jen and I were leaving Asheville, and it was one place I wanted to go because I hadn't been, and it's you know near the South Slope, but it's not. I would say it's not necessarily right in that grouping. It's it was a bit of a walk. Of, we actually yeah. drove, but like if we had walked, it would have been five ten minutes outside of some of the other. So I wonder South if that breweries. contributed to it, you know, walking distance to the other breweries. Right. You know, it's you so can much... just be like, oh, we'll go to these ones, yeah. and then if we get to that one, we can. That, um, that might, I feel like that puts them at a disadvantage because they weren't, you know, they were kind of a satellite brewery compared to the ones that mm-hmm. are clustered with uh, the South Slope area. But, you know, the beer itself was good. I remember that coffee porter they had was good. Um, kind of wish I had taken more than just that four-pack home. And especially now, we were just there... Uh, would have been, if we had known, we could have stopped and grabbed some stuff to go to try. Uh, I was reading on Reddit actually about Eurisco, and it seems like there's kind of a similar consensus amongst the Asheville locals and some tourists that, you know, the beer was good and the people were good. It was just a matter of maybe not the most convenient location. And also, mm-hmm. some people cited that there may have been a lack of like branding on their part. Yeah. Like they just didn't do as much as the other breweries to kind of put their name out there. And that's just, you know, that could totally be a, a make or break factor for a brewery in such a competitive area. Oh, for sure. I mean, you got to get your name out there and become a, like a destination for people to go to. 
probably a variety of factors and, and things, but yeah, just yeah. some crazy news, you know, just to see a few of these going. So right now what they said in their post was that they're going to keep it in maintenance mode. And basically the owner and his girlfriend are just going to run the tap room is pretty much what they're going to do. And, and all of their staff, unfortunately had to be let go. So hopefully, you know, they're able to find some positions in the nearby breweries, you know, in the surrounding areas, but this is unfortunate news. And, that topic really got us like, you know, thinking about what are the trends? Cause I feel like we've seen a lot lately or several things lately about breweries being closed or, you know, breweries laying off staff or changing their volumes that they're distributing. So we wanted to take a little bit of a deeper look into the market and, you know, the North Carolina data is a little bit harder to parse out exactly, but just some of the national trends were a little easier to follow. Mm-hmm. So we really wanted to get do a little deeper dive in that for this episode. Come take a dive. Take a dive. Yeah, I mean it's it when it when it hits kind of closer to home. I think we have you know more of this sense of uh, maybe maybe regret for not going to these places mm-hmm. or not supporting them. I mean, obviously we can't drink from every brewery, but <laughs> but also it's you know you kind of wonder like what what could they have done differently to maybe have survived or made the not had the choice made for them. And it just seems like, you know, as we know, since COVID, the market has been, like I said, tumultuous, just mm-hmm. up and down. Uh, there hasn't really been a huge slow in the growth of the number of craft breweries that we're seeing. Uh, I think there was a really, you know, heavy spike, but that has started to slow a little bit, but we're still seeing more breweries open every year. But what that's going to come, some proportional amount of breweries closing because, as much as we love craft craft beer, not mm-hmm. all of them are going to succeed. Oh, and yeah. there's a lot of factors that go into that. It could be, like I said, it could be them shooting themselves in the foot by not having a good plan, not having good beer, not having a good marketing <laughs> team. Yeah. And just being like an unknown brewery that never really makes a, a dent in the, in the market. Or it could be just based on availability of goods or other costs. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an area that we could examine a little more closely with, uh, you know, this, this market and how, yeah. how things have shifted. You said unknown there. It wasn't unknown. One of the breweries that, yeah, that closed was in the past couple of years. I think that, that was where Hoffway uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. yeah. Not and, to be tongue in cheek. Yeah. 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 For real. And it, it was surprising to me, like checking out some of the information off the Brewers Association website, you know, they have some quick stats on, on the individual States and North Carolina's trend for craft breweries operating each year has continuously increased. Uh, and it slowed down a little bit, but it's increased up to 392 in, in 2022. So just to put that in perspective, back in 2011, there were less than 100 craft breweries in North Carolina. So in that time frame, it's tripled, you know, even quadrupled from what it was. Wow. So it's, you know, it's kind of surprising to be like, wow, why are all these breweries cro- closing? But then you kind of can think, okay the market may be getting a, hitting a saturation point and we might be seeing uh, a time where there's so many breweries and so much competition that the, the changing prices and ingredients and shortages and everything are starting to affect some more than others. Yeah. And I think back to our conversation with Ben Self from Local Oak, we did an interview with him. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. Great episode. One of our earlier episodes. It's yeah. a whole hour with Ben Self. And uh, he talked about yeah, you know, I think we asked him whether, like, what his thoughts were on 
North Carolina breweries in specific, and, and even like particularly the Eastern North Carolina breweries, and if it seems saturated in his opinion, and his thoughts were that even the Greenville, Winterville area, which is not a huge market. I mean, we're talking maybe a couple hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And we have Local Oak, Naughty Dog Brewing Company, Pitt Street Brewing Company, and Uptown Brewing Company. Plus, Farmville's not far away with Duck Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And he said he even thinks a new brewery could open in this area of Greenville, Winterville, and still totally succeed if they have a good plan, a good strategy, and they have good product. And maybe even like find their own kind of like niche, I guess, yeah. in um and and what they produce because he thinks there's still an untapped market here of, of like craft beer oh, drinkers. For sure. Which is interesting to him that he would promote that because you would think you'd want to kind of hold on to more patrons by not having competition. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um in his mind I think he knows what products they put out, what they have to offer. And that there's still an area that they're not really tapping into, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think they typically avoid certain styles. He's he's a purist, like with like German and like Czech pilsners. Uh, makes really good IPAs. Will occasionally put on a stout and some a uh, couple sours. Yeah. And they've done a couple like seltzers, but mm-hmm. you know, there's just like there's other styles that people might be looking for that haven't really been captured well in this area. Yeah. So. Well, and that's what I think, like, a, a lot of the breweries in our area, and, you know, we've we've got those four breweries, well, including Duck Rabbit, too, uh, if you want to count that as in the, the metro area. But we had one closure, you know, as thinking about that. Back when I moved here, you know, yep. there was Trollingwood Brewing Company um, that was actually right across the street from where Pitt Street is, and uh, Pitt Street wasn't open at the time. They were, they were there. They were brewing beer. Very small facility very small things, but they ended up closing, uh, not too long after some of the other breweries opened. And I don't know if there was any correlation with that or, or what, but that was really the only closure we've experienced. And, you know, like you said, the, the niche of, of each brewery, right? I think about Uptown. We used to go to that a lot, you know, back, back, oh, yeah. it was almost when, well, Ben worked there for a while. Mm-hmm. So back when, back when Ben was there and then we started to slow down after a while, um, I feel like they're kind of, you know, more of like a college vibe now. You go there. I feel like you go to Pitt Street, still get a little bit of a college vibe, but more of like, you know, grad students or older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then a mix of other people, you know, uh, Local Oaks kind of, I think, like an intermediary for people that are, you know. It definitely seems also yeah. like a huge local like watering hole type place yeah yeah you see a lot of the same faces every time you go there they have a lot a of regulars huge, yeah li- yeah list of regulars and then naughty dog you know it's got the restaurant next door so you see a whole swath of people in there a lot of young people older people their brew style has yeah. been kind of a little all over i feel like when they first opened they were very traditional with some of the styles you know they have mm-hmm. like a English ale or, you know, certain yeah. things like that. But they really switched up, and i got to actually get back there. It's been a few months since I've been there. Yeah, and, yeah, they definitely have a, a pretty diverse menu. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they do their best to kind of bring in a, a wide demographic of patrons as well. Yeah, they got But I think it's just when you're in Winterville, because it's so far from the college campus, like if you want to get college students or, mm-hmm. you know, grad students or whatever, people from Greenville to come over, you've got to – have sort of a, uh, uh, I guess, some way to like beckon them. So yeah, um, 
Yeah, and then I mean like Duck Rabbit, Dark Beard Specialist, like that's mm-hmm. carved out its own niche years and years ago. So yep. <laughs> Well and interestingly we're talking about Naughty Dog and Local Oak. When they opened, it was right before the pandemic or right oh, around the like time that right the pandemic started. Hit, yeah. So they would have, you know, at face, at face value, I would have thought these guys aren't going to make it because they're starting at the worst possible time yeah, when yeah. no one's allowed to be open to the public and all you're able to do is to go crowlers or growlers and, you know, curbside pickup of, you know, beers to go. That's not a great way to build your brand and build your clientele. Uh, they both made it miraculously, mm. and it was through the support of the community. I think people were looking at them like, hey, this is these are new businesses to Winterville. We want to give them support, and so they made it through. But not everybody was so lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like looking at some of the historical data from uh, the Brewers Association post for the brewery counts over like year over year. So in 2020, there were... A little less than 9,000. There was 8,921 total craft breweries, and that's broken into different categories. So regional craft breweries, which kind of is what we're talking about here with Local Oak, Naughty Dog, and Pitt Street and Uptown. There are more of these regional craft breweries, I think. Mm-hmm. The count for 2020 was uh, 220 breweries. That only went up to 223 in 2021. So you have to imagine some places were opening at that time, and some places were closing, and that kind of balanced it out to be only a net change of about three. But then from 2021 to 2022, there was a 17% increase, and they rose to 261 regional craft breweries. So mm-hmm. that was around the time we kind of saw some of the restrictions let up. Places were able to you know, welcome everybody back into the tap room, maybe with certain social distancing regulations. Yeah. But um, that was the biggest, I think, change from 2021 to 2022 amongst all the different types of craft breweries was the regional craft brewery mm-hmm. category. Yeah. I'm surprised to see that microbreweries only went up 1%. You know? Oh, such a small change for, for that really. Yeah. So yeah, total of what? 9,709 breweries in the U S up three and a half percent from mm-hmm. 21. Uh, pretty crazy and actually it's funny that large non-craft breweries went down 9.8 percent yeah i wonder if that was through like an acquisition or a merger or something like that uh yeah that's interesting because and i think that kind of goes into a whole yeah conversation about (laughs) mergers and that probably probably was part of some of the um decision that went into some of these breweries we talked about recently that have been acquired by larger breweries or they've merged with um with others to kind of build a stronger backbone if you know if one brewery is kind of either plateauing or is declining they might look for help that way mm-hmm. rather than have to close so there's kind of different outlets that they've taken and some places just have to entirely shut down like we're talking about but or they buy back from them from the yeah breweries a and b shout out to amb <laughs> you, you guys did it <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah there's definitely been a continuous trend since uh like 2010 really of new openings in the craft beer industry mm-hmm. that goes from tap rooms to microbreweries to these regional breweries um, specifically you know looking at the uh, micro openings and closings so uh, 2010 there was roughly a hundred different new uh, craft beer craft breweries opening really small amount of them closing 
But then you kind of trend upward. You double year after year almost until about oh, yeah. 2014, 2015. It kind of plateaued. But then it jumps up in 2015 and 2016. There were, uh, in 2015, it looks like about 650 new craft breweries opening with less than 100 of them closing. And then the next year, there's a jump to 750 new beer breweries with maybe 75 closing. So that growth just kind of started around that time. It definitely took a huge drop around 2019, though. Oh, yeah. It went from 2018 of about 750 openings. And the following year, 2019, there was about 150. That's a significant drop. And I kind of wonder what happened between 2018 and 2019. Like, what led to that huge drop? Because that was before the pandemic. That was before COVID, yeah, because COVID-19 is from December 2019 Mm -hmm. is when it was. So that's, it's crazy. Like, huge drop-off in stall right there. I mean, previous to that, your, you know, ratio of openings to closings was like 8 to 1, really. Yeah. Uh, And then it dropped down to almost a 1 to 1 basis. Yeah. Notably, 2019, it looked like yeah from 150 openings, but there was subsequently... Maybe 125 or so. Yeah, it's that like closed. 128 closings and 145 openings. So pretty crazy. And then we maintain that trend throughout. I mean, the pandemic, not surprising at all. Microbreweries, you know, 93 closings in 2020. So some of the breweries were able to sustain, uh, but, you know, only 112 openings. Yeah. And then you just see it begin to, to trend down and down and down. Isn't that surprising that 2020 was the year where that kind of one-to-one ratio was offset. Mm -hmm. Like there was actually a smaller amount of closings in 2020 than openings by a pretty good margin. I would have thought of all years that might have been the year. Where it surpassed. Yeah, like more closings than openings. Yeah. Well, it's funny though, because then you've got brew uh, pub data. So brew pubs. So they break it down by brew pubs, micros, and tap rooms, uh, which tap room was a new uh, classification they brought in in 2019. But when you look at the taproom trends, the closures of, of uh, not taprooms, when you look at the brew pub trends, uh, those numbers are even more staggering for that time. So a lot of brew pubs opened. So uh, 2019, you had 403 brew pubs opening. So you didn't see the fall off in growth like you did with straight micros. Yeah. Uh, and then 137 closings. But 2020, only 300 openings, but you're up to 200 closings. In 2021, 230 openings, 92 closings. And then when you get to 2022, this is where the the number starts to trend up for the closures and with a continued decrease in the openings. So only 173 openings and 143 closings. So pretty, you know, kind of a one-to-one in 2022, which is interesting because this is the, the like the rebound time of people going out to brew pubs yeah. and getting back into it. So I don't know if it's just the economic hardships of the previous years, uh, the raw material shortages, the, the inflation costs, you know. Uh, I wonder if that's all kind of contributing to that. But still, year-over-year growth seen in the, in the market. Yeah, and I think tap rooms have to be the better outlet for some of these smaller breweries to kind of get ahead or, or make headway into the market. Because we've talked about in previous episodes with when it comes to distribution, mm-hmm. you're seeing store shelves or like bottle stores. They're offering these premium products that are from larger brands. They're able to get more shelf space. And so these smaller places are struggling to even get 
their beer mm-hmm. on a shelf at a, a grocery store at a, or at a uh, bottle shop. And so yeah. by having a tap room option where people can come and visit and hang out for a couple hours, maybe take some beer to go from your mm-hmm. cooler or get a crowler. Um, that's definitely, I think, the best way for a new kind of startup brewery to, to make some headway yeah, is yeah. by getting yourself public facing, getting people in, trying your beer. You know, and from there, then if you're able to kind of make that next venture, get a distributor relationship, then you can kind of get into uh, that area. But tap rooms, and that's why I've, I've feared so heavily for the new breweries that opened in 2020 yeah. because they were tap room only. Yeah, really, and 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 they have and, and they still are no distribution. They're purely available at the brewery or to go crawlers or local restaurants might have them on draft, but. That's about it. Yeah, really, it is. And, you know, you talk about, uh, we talked, I think we talked about beer pricing in an episode not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me look back, actually. Episode 52 is when we talked episode about it. 52. Uh, and that really, you know, lays the stage for you. When you're, when you're selling from a brew pub, your cost is much lower per unit. That you're, so your profit is so much higher when you're a tap room. So... If you're operating that taproom model, it's basically, you know, sustaining you. So if you can't have people in there, <laughs> you can't make money. And that's when we talked to yeah. Ben, he said that that those to-go sales, like, saved them and kept them afloat. Uh, otherwise, you know, they would have been in hot water. Yeah, they benefited from a good community for sure. Yeah, and I think one other factor to bring in kind of, a, again, we're kind of re- recollecting other episodes and people we've talked to Paul Philippon from duck rabbit, who we mentioned duck rabbit a few times today. You know, he talked about the insurmountable cost of the equipment for some of these breweries. And so oh, yeah, that puts you into an immediate huge hole of debt when you're starting up your brewery. And so if the cost of goods are increasing and you're not able to pay your employees a fair rate, keep employees, keep staff, keep, people coming in like pay off some of the debt of this equipment while also making a little bit of profit to grow. I mean, that's why I think a lot of these startup breweries often fail anyway. Mm -hmm. And so that trend is not never really going to, you know, there's always going to be a trend of breweries failing just due to financial hardship. But, you know, it's been interesting to see the trend since 2020 because breweries that started in 2020 hit with these upfront costs of equipment and then hit with, a pandemic that limits people being able to come to your establishment um, definitely puts people in a, a really tough spot. And so now we're seeing a, a spot where I think price of materials and like goods for making beer is starting to stabilize a little bit more. We kind of came out of a rough year in 2022 and a lot of the economists are kind of thinking 2023 is a time where that will stabilize mm-hmm. prices will drop a little bit. And so that also might help because then if breweries are able to get their, materials cheaper their ingredients cheaper they can actually then offer the product at a cheaper rate so long as the rest of the market is kind of shifting that way too because part of it is not just you know their overhead costs and evaluating how much they're willing to uh, advertise their price it's also kind of comparing to similar size breweries and what they're selling their product for so we might see things kind of come down in price which would be good for consumers Mm -hmm. And also, I think that'd be good for breweries because they might sell more product if people aren't trying to make like difficult financial decisions about what beer to buy or how much to buy because of the cost. 
Yeah, exactly. And who knows where the role will be. We've talked before, you know, about the acquisitions and, and another episode that we've had. Acquisitions and closures. <laughs> yeah, but uh, acquisition of craft beer. And I think this is one thing that Paul Philippon really touched on was the dilution of the craft beer product in a, in a value sense. You know, if you have a large brewery buying a craft brewery or, you know, an independent brewery, and then taking it under their wing and then dropping the prices down, you almost devalue in the consumer's eyes the the craft product made from the small local brewery or, you know, right. microbrewery. Because, you know, they're like saying, well, I can get this IPA from, you know, this place that's, a, you know, has craft pedigree for, you know, five bucks, but I can get this one for six. Like, I'm just going to go with that one. So, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. I'm curious how that'll how that'll end up impacting things. I'm I'm predicting though that we're probably going to see some more closures. Uh, yeah, and potentially in our you know not maybe in our media local area, but uh, in the in North Carolina and in some surrounding areas. Yeah, there's been some other notable breweries that have made big changes. We talked uh, just about Anchor. They're reducing their distribution in like in a heavy way. Uh, McKellar, which is not us based, but they have a us distribution facility in San Diego, mm-hmm. California, I think they're closing that this year. And so we're seeing even some really big names in the craft beer industry that are kind of quietly closing, I would say in mm-hmm. a way, uh, maybe not entirely like McKellar's case. It's just their us, their last us locations closing. But yeah, I think we'll see more, like you said, to me, what what I feel bad about is it seems like a lot of these breweries tried to stay afloat as long as they could through the pandemic and the aftermath of the pandemic, yeah. but the economy still hasn't recovered in a way that they're really able to make the progress that they need to kind of grow and not just sustain. And that's why it seems like, you know, some of the ones like Eurisco, they're going into a mode where they're just going to basically scrape by until they mm-hmm. have to shut down. Yeah, I, I I hope that more breweries are able to kind of get through this economic hurdle right now because that seems to be the biggest hurdle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, closing a brewery is a tough decision, but sometimes it is the right decision to make, you know? So right. you can't just be like, hold on forever, you know, don't, <laughs> never close, never <laughs> yeah. close, because, you know, you think about that owner-operator who is just hemorrhaging money, you know, and just getting in debt. And I think right. that's one thing about business that's super important to to keep in mind is having an exit strategy and having yeah. an exit plan of like, okay, when's the point that I say we can't do yeah, this anymore? Be self aware. Yeah. Well and 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 like the data shows from the Brewers Association data, there's more breweries on the rise and so there's gonna be somebody out there looking to start their brewery and you know, an opportunity comes up where they see a good location and you could sell them the equipment you have at a discounted rate, kind of get back some of that investment. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a win-win for both parties. It gives kind of a new, new life to a, a different brand to start up, give somebody an out if they're in a tough spot financially. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it just, it's just part of the kind of recycling of the craft beer industry. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always going to be an increase of new breweries, but there's also a somewhat inverse relationship where crap breweries are closing because of various factors. And, you know, it, it just, sometimes it's, it seems like it's 
totally circumstantial too. It's like oh, where yeah. you're located, how successful you are out the gate, like how likable your staff is. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, your product is very important too. But I mean, we've been to breweries that don't have the best beer, but <laughs> are packed because they have a good vibe or yeah, they have atmosphere, everything, yeah. location, all that stuff can really do it. And you know, it comes down to a few things in the end for the eye of the consumer and mm. they might be forgiving on some things and might not on others. And it's crazy. And I think you just need to know your market and know what you're planning on. I mean, you got to open, if you open a tap room focused establishment, yeah, you got to have good staff. Like you can't have terrible staff or no matter how good your beer is, people aren't going to come in and be like, well, I had to wait 30 minutes to get a beer. And then the server was a jerk. Yeah. You know, they were condescending and talked down to me, you know, blah, 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 blah. You want somebody who can sell that product and, and move it. So, yeah. Which I think is something that several of our local breweries have really good staff. Yeah. Um, just, you know, they make the experience that much better. Absolutely. It, it makes a huge difference when you're deciding where you want to go on a Friday night to have a few beers. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we'll see how this thing shakes out for some mm-hmm. other breweries. Hopefully. We don't see this trend continue. We kind of plateau and get to a spot where we're where the trends are kind of more normal. It seems like right yeah. now the relationship of openings to closings is too close to one to one for my liking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think we might hit a plateau. I think we're going to still see some effects, but I think we're plateauing. If you look at that twenty twenty two data, um, overall beer sales were down three point one percent, but craft beer was. 0.1% different than it was last year. Yeah. Uh, and you saw an increase of, of 2.8% of uh, imported beer. So interesting trend that way. Yeah. But it looked like the domestics are what took a hit, the big the big domestic breweries. Oh, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, not unexpected. They'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, with that, you want to bust into Elsie's pick of the week? Let's do Elsie's maternity pick of the week. Yeah, so, so the way we did this, Elsie had just bought a bunch of beers and like kept them in like a cardboard like six pack thing, so you couldn't see what they were. So I blindly grabbed it out of the fridge, hid it out of sight, got a big koozie thing, stuck it immediately in there. Uh, and what we'll do is I'll pour the beer. I'll try not to look at it, not make a huge mess everywhere. I'll obviously be able to see what the beer looks like. So Nick will just have to be the fully blind one. I'll at least have the advantage of seeing what the beer looks like. <laughs> yeah, such is the challenge of not having LC here. How long is her maternity leave? Do we grant her like <laughs> six weeks? Is that standard? Uh, no, no, no. She's 12 weeks from work, <laughs> which is not really maternity leave from work. But, I know. Uh, <laughs> God dang you. 12 weeks off. <laughs> I know, right? There right. was uh, somebody at work that was saying their son lives in Sweden and the parents get one year and they don't have to take it sequentially. Like they can just kind of take a hit here and there. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is really pretty freaking awesome. There's that. All right. So I'm, I'm actually detecting a pretty balanced nose here. It's I'm getting some malt. Backbone, but also some hop character. Oh, yeah, for sure. Interesting. Kind of very, like, earthy tones to it. Yeah, it is. Slightly dank. Like, it's like earthy, danky, kind of. Yeah, it's like dank, but maybe some, like, 
cereal malt. I don't know, just like some really grainy malt. Interesting. Very interesting. I gotta say, it's it's a. Uh, I think it's a hoppy beer, but it's a big change mm. from the one that we had last. Yeah. Just took a sip. Um, a little more bitter. It is bitter. Yeah, it has. Definitely has some bready malt flavor. Um, the the hops. I'm just getting. Yeah, like grassy, bitter. Not getting really. There's like an interesting aroma juice. that's going on too. Not necessarily like cheesy, but like. This puts me in a tough spot to guess the style. Light body though, overall, like. Oh, I just took a look. It's super clear. Super clear and almost like an orangey golden hue. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like apple juice. Ah, this one's really kind of stumping me here. It's also got a pretty good head. I've been swirling a little bit too, but it's a pretty persistent head. Yeah, very good retention. I don't know if I want to say this is, I wonder if this is an American Pale Ale. It's got a good balance. It could be. You know, it could be. It just seems a little... I'm curious if it's a little old. (laughs) Yeah, hard to tell. Until we look at the can. But it does have a little bit of like a grainy finish. You can especially feel it on the... Like when you breathe out. Yeah. Almost a little bit chewy. Yeah, a little chewy. A little bitter hops. But like in a nice way. Yeah. I think if it was one way or the other, it, this wouldn't be a great beer. It has a really nice balance, though. A lot of times these, like, bitter, grassy, kind of, like, dank beers, I mean, they're not for me. They have a place in the market, but mm-hmm. and they're, there's, they're definitely a market for them. But I prefer it to be, like, more of a balance of some of that malt bill coming through with those, like, bitter, earthy, grassy hops. Yeah. Um. I this think, is kind of getting there. Yeah. I think I'm going to go like with the color and uh, and all that stuff. I think I'm going to go with your, you know, your guess there. Yeah. I feel pretty safe with a, a pale ale. A pale ale. I'm trying to think what else it might be, but I'm just going to stick with that. That was my first reaction. I'm going to take a look. Oh, geez. Mm. I feel like I've had this before, actually. What do we got? We have Flying Dog. Oh, Flying Dog, which just merged with FX Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Acquired by them and be brewing. So another another uh, relevant thing. So Flying Dog, Snake Dog, IPA. It's an IPA. Okay. So it is an IPA. Uh, 7.1% ABV. Let's try to find a date on the can. Ooh, 7.1. Oh, yeah. It's a little old. Enjoy by 512.23 LC. So a little bit of an off So maybe that's but... why we're getting a little bit of that weird... But it's definitely hop forward. I can see how it's an IPA, but I think the balance and the just the overall vibe you get is pale ale. You know, it's not like oppressively hoppy. That's just more my experience. But yeah, I definitely should have considered IPA as a possibility. No harm, no foul, though. But Snake Dog. I wonder if I've had that. Snake Dog? I feel like that's why I feel like I've seen it before or had it or something. Well, let's check and see. Oh, I have not checked it in. But, oh, you haven't either. Oh, okay. Cool. Maybe you've had it and just didn't check it in. I do that a lot. Um, 
I know, I do that all the time. Huh. So I have a, an untapped friend who religiously comments, or not comments, but lists a description or a note for every beer he checks yeah. in. Yeah. Which actually I think is awesome. Well, it helps develop your tasting skills. I just don't mm-hmm. have the patience for it. <laughs> I know, it's, just, it's so much more time-consuming, especially yeah. if you're like tasting a few in That's a night. That's the thing, yeah. If you're like, okay, if you're having a beer by yourself at home, I can see yeah. that, but like... Gosh, I just want to like get my check in, so I'm not like, especially if I'm out with people. On my phone all yeah, the time, you know, yeah. This is a really good note, though, actually, and it makes me feel a little more uh, vindicated with my not my vindicated. thoughts. I am selfish. I am, I am wrong. I am right. <laughs> he said, uh, "A little malty for my taste, but this one is definitely well balanced. Easy drinking, solid brew. Oh, I think we use yeah. both well balanced and malty or malt forward, so." I definitely like this. This is kind of my jam if it comes to like a pale ale or an IPA. Something that's really balanced. If I'm going to have something one way or the other on the uh, like IPA spectrum, I'd probably lean more towards uh, like a NEPA just because if it's going to be one, if it's going to be hop forward, I'd rather it be like juicy hops or like citrus hops Mm. versus just like resinous hops. I will drink a West Coast or just a Super hot bomb. Yeah. But I think recently uh, we talked about just being, we're like backpedaling into loggers and crispy boys. Things like that. Yeah. I'm a a Pilsner boy. (laughs) You just got your pin. Pilsner boy. Yeah. Shout out to Pilsner ish. Uh, Pretty sweet pins because we had ordered the uh, DDB for life pin, you know, supporting not the don't drink beers. Don't drink beers. Uh, But then, yeah, getting that Pilsner boy. Swag too. I was figured. Hey, well, I'm on here. Might as well get it. Might as well. My only thing is, I don't know what to do with a pin. I don't like wear pins routinely. Maybe I can put yeah. it in a hat or something. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll just put it in my skin. <laughs> <laughs> just wear it on your uh, your white coat at work or <laughs> on your shirt. Does it say Pilsner boy? <laughs> you a Pilsner boy pin on your tie? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm a Pilsner boy. I'm a Pilsner boy. Well, we, right, yeah. we got close, but... Yeah, yeah, pretty close. But Elsie has stumped us this week. I feel like we've bested her the past few times, so... Mm-hmm. She got us. She's not even here, but she got us. She'll be glad to know. Uh, she was... She, yeah, on that note, I, she was pretty, like, bummed out that we guessed her last one. That N.A. beer. Yeah. She was like... She was. What? I can't believe you got it. But... Yeah, you were very astute last time. Yeah, I think because I've had several. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, over the over the years, <laughs> trying all these NA beers just to see what they're about, and they're, I mean, they're not they're not bad. It's, yeah, it's definitely not a beer. I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Well, but if you're looking for a flavored beverage, I'm a man of you know really liking carbonated beverages. I I, I love carbonated beverages. I mean, I except I don't yeah. love carbonated water for some reason. Just like sparkling water. Yeah, hmm. something about it. I just can't do. I mean, I, I will drink it. I just don't prefer a sparkling water, which is funny. I just <laughs> we just finished the first season of Ted Lasso, which oh, I know yeah. we're super late to that, but I love every time he drinks water and it's like sparkling and he's mm-hmm. not expecting it. He's like spits it out. He's like, <laughs> oh, the bubbles, <laughs> the bubbles got me. Because <laughs> that's kind of every time I drink yeah. sparkling water, I'm like, oh, this shouldn't be bubbly. Why is it so bubbly? What? But Elsie uh, got to have her first NA or non. NAB. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, just a beer. I think it was yesterday. And yeah. today I came upstairs and she was on working on a 3D printer trying to print out some... Drinking a beer. Some things. And she cracked open a Flamingo Dreams that mm. she had been waiting Ooh, on. Ooh, the Nitro. Mm-hmm. Nitro mm. Blonde Ale. 
Is it uh, raspberry blonde ale? I think it's a, it's some kind of berry blonde ale. Yeah, or I think it just says berry blonde ale. Yeah, actually, I think what it is. But yeah, um, actually, speaking of which, Left Hand has a nitro dry Irish stout. So basically, like a Guinness, like in a can. I'm Interesting. Like, I want to try that compared to a Guinness and see how it is. I've had their Left Hand milk stout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause you got that same variety pack that I've had. It's like nitro of the flamingo dreams. It's their left hand, or no? What's their nitro stout? I think it's just a nitro milk stout. Yeah. yeah. They have the uh, white Russian nitro stout, which is like a blonde stout. That one's delicious. And then there's one other one in that. It's like an imperial IPA nitro or something like that. Anyway, left hand brewing aside. Uh, what did you learn today, Joe? Oh, gosh. I think I learned that the craft beer market is still growing, albeit stalling a little bit, and the closures that we see are likely an artifact from, you know, what we've, what the ec- the economy has been thus far. So, yeah. I think I think uh, I learned a pretty good bit of, of trends in... Yeah. Brewing. Yeah, I'd say on that same vein, I it seems that there's the the trend has continued as far as like growth of craft breweries, new craft breweries, but we may be reaching a point where we're kind of at saturation in certain areas mm-hmm. or in certain markets. And so there's going to be kind of a, you know, what do they call it? Like changing of swords almost where there's going to be a handoff from one brewery. That's just not making it to a new one that might have the next big thing. So, while we're reaching saturation, I think there's still room for new breweries with new ideas and kind of, uh, you know, a, a new feel for uh, the craft brewer, craft brewing industry. Because like we're always evolving, like our tastes evolve, and so I think mm-hmm. people will continue to take advantage of that, despite oh, yeah. economic hardships or saturation of the micro craft breweries. Yeah. So long story short, if there's a brewery out there that you wanna see keep its doors open. Make sure you just continue to patronize them. Patronize, patronize them. Don't patronize me. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you guys are doing such a good job. Oh, Keep it up. Yeah, nice beer. <laughs> 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 oh, pilot, great. Oh, great. <laughs> I wonder if anybody out there listening uh, got that reference. I'll, I'll be interested to see. But uh, that wraps us up for episode number 59, Feeling Fine. Uh, we are secondary fermentation Brought to you by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. So check us out on our socials. Instagram, at East Carolina Beer. Facebook, East Carolina Beer and Brewing. On Twitter, at East Beer. And then always, feel free to send us a personal love letter via email. EastCarolinaBeer at gmail.com. And then, don't forget to to leave us a nice five-star review. Maybe write a little comment. We'll read it out. Uh, You know, we'll either read it out or we'll shout you out on the next episode. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. But that being said, cheers. We'll see you next time. Cheers until episode 60. 60!